Hey everybody, it's Drags. It's Wednesday, July 1st, time for episode 357 of Patriot's Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us, as always, at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriot's CLNS. Welcoming back Evan Lazar to the pod this week as we talk all things Cam Newton, NFL fine for the Patriots, and whatever else might be on our mind. This is a new thing we're trying this week and we're going to be doing going forward. We're going to have a video supplement to Patriots Beat, thanks to our bosses at CLNS uh, Media, including Nick Gelso and John Zanis. You up for that, uh, Evan? Yeah, I'll try not to do anything too embarrassing. You know, no nose picking on your end either, Travis. Uh, no, but do you like uh, my new background? I do like it. We were just talking about some of the books you have on the shelves there and the helmets. You got that Bengals helmet. I can see I it do. right there. I you got to represent. Yeah, I do. It's from my childhood, but I, <laughs> it's got a prominent place on the uh, on the library um, bookshelf. There's also a Fenway Bowl uh, helmet up there. Uh, actually, the uh, Irish, uh, when Notre Dame played uh, Boston College, that's up there. That's the other helmet. There is the Belichick book. Yep. Uh, and that is from Ian O'Connor. Right. Um, Paul Brown. There's a Terry Francona book. Uh, there are a couple of, oh, uh, the Vince Lombardi book from David Moranis is a, uh, terrific book. And that's third one from my right. Uh, yeah, from my right. So anyway, there's a lot of great books up there, but, uh, enough of that. I like the Cam Newton signing by the Patriots one year, low risk. You love the Cam Newton signing. Why? Well, for a football junkie like me, and I know Josh McDaniels and Jed Fish and Bill Belichick are all sitting at a table right now thinking of all the ways that they can design this running game now with a quarterback threat, with a guy that can be mobile and can be a threat to the defense. And, you know, really the running game as a whole offensively and defensively is a numbers game, right? It's box count versus the amount of blockers, and it's strictly hat on a hat. That's really what it is. And for the Patriots, with Tom Brady at quarterback, they've had effective running games in the past, but they've actually been doing it at a disadvantage this entire time because they've been at one short in the box every single time because you have the quarterback who is not mobile. So biggest thing moving forward is that let's say the defense throws eight guys in the box at you, right, and the offense has seven blockers. Right. Well, now it's actually eight on eight because the defense needs to assign one of their guys to the quarterback. So in that situation, you're going to have numbers advantage on the handoff or you're going to have an open edge where Cam Newton can turn the corner and go upfield with the ball on a zone read or, or a read option type of play or even an RPO. Those are the schematic advantages that he presents to the offense. And that's why with this team, the way that they are built tracks offense they want to run the football they want to use play action they want to use their guys after the catch they have like Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman and Dalton Keene they want to be that kind of offense and they want to win with field positioning good defense and a great running game and all offseason long I'm looking at that formula and I'm saying how do they get there with Jared Stidham who is mobile but not Cam Newton no and not nearly as big right Right. not to jump in here but look Bill Belichick and you know this I know this uh, Belichick has always fancied Ben Roethlisberger, and it just so happens that Cam Newton has almost the identical specs, if you will, for a quarterback that Ben Roethlisberger has, six foot five, two hundred and sixty pounds, and he's incredibly hard to bring to the ground. But uh, unlike Roethlisberger, Cam Newton is a legit running back uh, in the backfield. 
Exactly. So when you look at it defensively now, a lot of defenses nowadays, they play post-high single safety, right? Single-high safety post-looks, right? And you're going to play man coverage, a lot of that. That's the way the NFL has gone nowadays. Now you start doing that against Cam, and you put eight guys in the box, and the offense has the five offensive linemen. They have a tight end, and let's say the Patriots have a fullback on the field as well. Now you have eight versus seven normally. Now it's eight on eight because the quarterback is a plus one in the box for the offense. So really just all the kind of advantages that that presents, the ability to have that potent of a rushing attack is what this Patriots team needed to make a run, right? This this iteration of the Patriots needed the running game to be a vocal point, needed the play-action passing game to be a vocal point. And although they could have done a lot of schemes, and I've written about all of them, the way that they could have used Jared Siddham's little bit of athleticism, a little bit of mobility as an advantage, now we're talking about a whole other animal and a legitimate NFL starting caliber quarterback with Cam. Now, uh, what's also interesting, and we have touched on this before when I've had you on the Patriots Beat podcast, the EP system that Cam Newton uh, is also very familiar with from his days uh, down in Carolina, Earhart Perkins system. Uh, it's a very complicated branch uh, type of uh, related system. Just go ahead and explain why that's a big deal with Cam Newton. Well, the verbiage is all the same. Now, that's not to say all the play calls are going to be exactly the same. You know, the Patriots might call one thing one thing, and the Carolina Panthers might call it another. There could still be plenty of discrepancies. But the way plays are called and the way that you kind of set up the verbiage of a play is going to be relatively the same. You know, it's a it's a not a number system, right, with route running, for example. You're not, you're not calling nine routes. You're calling a go. Right. You're not calling a slant. You're, you're yeah. not calling, you know, a three. You're calling a slant, you know, those types of things. So I think that that's really an advantage for him. You know, in Carolina, I think the one thing that he didn't get a ton of credit for was that he's really a brilliant football mind. You know, he's a guy that understands kind of defenses, reading coverages, understands leverage and how to throw off of leverage and how to move defenders with his eyes and manipulate defensive backs, things like that. He does that a lot better than I think people give him credit for. I think his fit in this system is a lot better than you might think on the surface because you think of a mobile quarterback, and I think a lot of people instantly go to the Russell Wilson type or the Lamar Jackson type who are really dynamic as scramblers outside the pocket. Aaron Rodgers, you know, guys that can make plays, extend plays with their legs. (laughs) Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Perfect. And then throw the ball 50 yards down the field for a touchdown. That has never really been Cam Newton's game. Cam actually on extended plays is worse than he is on plays where he's in rhythm. So getting him to throw the ball in rhythm is really what you want to do with a quarterback like Cam Newton. Then you incorporate his legs in different ways. So I may, it's funny you bring that up because uh, I was asked um, on uh, Rob Dibble's show on ESPN in Hartford on Monday, you know, what's the negative? You know, what is the negative to Cam Newton's game, X's and O's, if the Patriots um, have always been on a guy like that and always w- been intrigued by a guy like Cam Newton? I said, really, the only thing about Cam Newton running with the football is, and Belichick is a stickler for this, and so is Josh McDaniels, and that is keeping your eyes down the field when you get outside the pocket. When you don't and you shorten the field by a half or even a third, or two-thirds, and you're only throwing, let's say, from the numbers to the sideline, uh, that really limits what you can do. And I think, you know, with Cam Newton, that may be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the criticisms of his passing game in the past when he's been out of the pocket. Yeah, he's really not been a great out-of-the-pocket quarterback. It's almost like when he gets out of the pocket, when the play breaks down and you extend it past three, four seconds, and he's kind of just holding the ball back there and running around until somebody gets open – 
it kind of his process gets really out of whack and he starts to make poor decisions with the football. And I think that's really the type of offense you want to stay clear from him. You really don't want the playground stuff with him. You want him to be in rhythm or you want to incorporate his legs in a zone read RPO type of situation and use him as a ball carrier, as a running back, essentially in the backfield that can also be a really good passer. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online Sports. Sports are slowly making their way back with the UFC, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches this weekend. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every single day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? They've got you covered there, too. Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props in the biz. Visit betonline.ag, or you can simply use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Back with Evan Lazar. This video thing going all right for you, Evan, so far? It's going well. Yeah, that's good. I'm, uh, I'm, like happy, you're, I'm happy you're comfortable, because... Uh, it's not important that me, the host, be comfortable. It's important that you, the guest, uh, although you're almost a co-host at this point. I appreciate that. I'm very comfortable. I like this new setup, and I, I really like the bookshelf behind you. I told you it's very professional. Look. I do, too, and I hope John and Nick appreciate all of the effort that I spent over the weekend to make my uh, library also double as a studio, and I'm sure they do. I'm uh, this. I'm, I'm reading this from Jason Lacanfora uh, on Tuesday afternoon. I'm told that Cam Newton's one-year deal with the Patriots does not include a provision preventing New England from applying a 2021 franchise tag on the former MVP quarterback. Wow. And your response to that, your retweet of that, that's surprising. The tag number for QBs next season might not be as costly due to the impact of COVID-19 on the cap. Option to go year-to-year with Cam if he plays well explained. Well, I think the biggest thing is, first of all, it's, it's not too surprising that Cam couldn't negotiate a no, uh, you know, franchise tag into his deal. That's right. really safe for Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, those guys of the world. So I'm not too shocked that he couldn't negotiate that. But from his point of view, I would expect that he wanted that heavily in the negotiations that they couldn't tag him because he's really looking to reset his market. Now, as much sure. as he wants to play well for the Patriots and for the organization, what he's really here for is to make a run, to put up numbers, to beat Cam Newton so that next offseason he can cash in on a big contract and get one more big deal under his belt before he retires. So the fact that he's leaving that door open for the Patriots to tag him in a year where there are a lot of cap uncertainties due to the pandemic, you know, this year the quarterback cap uh, number I think was around 20 27 million dollars next year it might be less you know it might be substantially less because of the pandemic so i think that this is a really good situation for the patriots where if cam plays well or if they're you know not convinced on jared stidham or they want to turn to the draft and kind of give up on stidham whatever the case may be they can go to year to year with cam with the tag and it's really just one year of commitment and it's not going to be totally costly on their cap well i mean it's totally a win-win because a you would think uh cam newton's uh side would have thought that, well, you're not going to pay us, and we understand that, but at least give us this out if we can reset our own market. Uh, And the Patriots apparently, maybe, and and this is, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit and maybe theorizing a little bit, uh, but maybe their thinking is, look, if we like you, uh, maybe we don't start you right away or 
you know, we give uh, Jarrett Stidham the chance to prove what he's going to do in 2020 and then give you a shot again in 2021. Is there a possibility that exists? I think that really the thing with the tag for the Patriots is that it's really not a bad deal. You know, it's not a bad deal to get a quarterback on a cost-controlled contract without a long-term commitment that's really only going to affect your cap for one season. So I think they look at it and they say that they could really extend this thing out and they could go truly go year to year with Cam this year and next year. I think that's a big benefit to the team. And again, I'm just a little surprised that Cam didn't try to put his foot in the ground a little bit more on this tag situation to try to get that no tag clause in his contract because he's going to be in a situation now where he's kind of at Bill Belichick's mercy going forward. The Patriots really do have team control over him for the next two seasons, even though he only signed a one-year deal. January of 2019, uh, Cam Newton had shoulder surgery, and then two games in, as everybody knows, to the 2019 season, he uh, really injures his foot. He has foot surgery. So he's had two significant in- uh, surgeries in 2019. Uh, your source is telling you that he should be good to go uh, come the regular season? Yeah, he's really been hitting the rehab, and also now he's in kind of uh, graduating, let's say, to more football activities, and he's really kind of determined, I think. I think he's, you know, like any player would be of his stature, he's pretty pissed off that he ended up in the situation that he's in now on a veteran minimum deal as a former MVP. <laughs> I, I know that he's not exactly thrilled about that, and I think that he's going to be a motivated Cam Newton. I think it's going to be really interesting to see also what the Patriots kind of do with his throwing mechanics moving forward, because going back to the 2011 draft the one knock on him coming out was that his throwing mechanics were a mess and up until about two years ago they continued to be kind of a disaster for him and a lot of the reason why his shoulder injury continues to pop up is because he puts a ton of stress on his shoulder he's what you call an arm thrower right which is he's generating all of his velocity just from his right arm because of the way that he's throwing because he's breaking the kinetic energy from the ground up that he normally would get now a quarterback with great throwing mechanics like a Tom Brady does this awesomely well if you want to watch a quarterback throw the ball properly then watch Brady throw it and basically it's imagine a pull going through the center of your body and your whole body is on an axis and all you want to do is keep your head straight but you want to turn your hips and you just want to turn your body from here to there right and with Cam what he often does is he loads up on his back foot and there's no weight transfer to his front foot so really what he's doing is he's breaking that kinetic energy and he's putting all the stress on his arm and because he's an arm thrower his point his release points a little bit further behind his head than what you would like, and that's why the ball sails on him so often. Very similar to a golfer who uh, swings uh, with all of their arms and doesn't use a lower body or, um, obviously, in baseball, uh, either a pitcher or a batter who uh, either throws with their arm and doesn't use their lower body or, in baseball, uh, a batter who swings and doesn't use their lower body. It's very, very much the similar thing, I would think. Exactly. It's, it's all, it's very similar actually to batting in baseball. It's the same kind of motion of really getting those hips open. And you know, people make fun of Dak Prescott for that little dance that he does before every game. But actually what he's doing is really, really smart. He's practicing keeping his shoulder in while his hips are unlocking and opening. And right. And that's really where you get that torque. And that's where you get that energy from to really generate that power from your lower body. And because Cam is disconnecting that chain, he's ending up with a result of his arm 
arm being the only thing that's driving the ball down the field. Now, you're a 2011 draft pick. You've been in the league for almost a decade, and you've been throwing the entire time with just your arm. Obviously, your arm is going to go out at some point, right. and you're going to have shoulder issues. You have rotator cuff issues like he's had, and that's going to be a problem. And the throwing mechanics thing, you know, North Turner tried to fix them in 2018 and really emphasized getting that weight transfer from his back foot to his front foot. And then what happened in 2019 is he has the left foot injury where he can't put weight on the front foot. So that kinetic, that weight transfer never happened in 2019. So you look at his two games that he started in 2019, I could have counted 10 or 12 passes that sailed over receivers' heads. He's thrown everything high. Right. And the reason why he's throwing everything high is because that weight transfer is never happening. So his back foot is taking all of that energy and he's releasing the ball too early behind his head. And the ball is just flying out of his hand straight up in the air. You know, before Evan, uh, 2019, he was a pretty durable quarterback. I've got his numbers up right now. He started the first, uh, let's see, 48 games of his career, um, you know, in 11, 12 and 13. He missed two games in 2014, started all. 16 games in his MVP year of 2015, obviously got the team to the Super Bowl going 15 and one. That's his best year ever. Um, played 15 games, uh, in 2016, started all 16 in 2017 and started all 14 games that he played in, uh, in, uh, 2018. A durable guy considering how much abuse he took as a mobile quarterback. Well, that's what happens when you're 6'5", 260-pound battering yep. ram, right? You can take yeah. those types of beatings and be able to absorb them. And I, I went back and watched his 2019 tape, and you, like I said, the accuracy issues were problematic, and that's why all of his you know, his PFF grade, his QBR, all that stuff plummeted last year because he just couldn't hit the side of a barn with some of his throws. But you actually look at the actual arm strength and the zip he had on the ball and the way the ball was coming out of his hands, he's got plenty of arm. You know, this guy still has a big-time arm, a big rocket that there. And that's good news. The bad news is is that foot injury, a list frank injury, can linger and can be a problem moving forward. So as long as that foot is healthy and he can reestablish his throwing mechanics and still be the athlete, the athlete and the mobile passer that he's been his entire career, and the Patriots are going to be in good shape with him at quarterback. But I think looking at his injury history, he's been a pretty mo- you know mobile guy his entire career, going back to college, and he's been pretty durable. And the shoulder, I, I'm telling you, based on the tape, the shoulder is not a concern for me moving forward. It's really about that foot and getting reestablishing his footwork in the pocket. And I think that that's the one benefit at having jo- both Josh McDaniels and Jed Fish in the picture here for the Patriots is right. both of those guys are big footwork mechanic guys. They're very good at coaching that up. So I think that they're really going to be able to help Cam get those feet back in, in order and get them to be less sloppy. And that should help a little bit with his accuracy. I'm not saying he's going to go from Cam, you know, last year to Tom Brady and be the most accurate quarterback in the league, but he should be a pass, you know, passable ball play type of guy like he was in 2018 as long as his mechanics return to form all right i'm going to ask you to play bet online right now and you are going to be our bet online patriots expert odds that cam newton beats out jared stidham for starting quarterback of the patriots in 2020 are we caveating it with him being healthy, or are we just Hel- saying no. healthy? Absolutely, absolutely. If he's healthy, a hundred percent. What are the, what are the favorable odds? Uh, odds that are you'd say five to two. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was looking for. Five to two, really with Cam. And I put this out there on, on Twitter in a reply to somebody. What does Jared Sidham right now do better than Cam Newton? 
anything, you know, and that's no knock on Sidham. He's a really good quarterback, but we're talking about a former MVP and number one overall pick of the league here. This is not a slouch, right? This is Cam Newton we're talking about, and really at this stage of Sidham's career, I think the biggest thing holding him back is what we saw last year in the preseason and in training camp, and that's holding on to the ball in the pocket. He spends a lot of time in the pocket, and last year in the preseason, he was about 2.77 seconds time to average of of his average time to throw, average time to release, which if he had qualified among starting quarterbacks in the regular season, would have been second to last in the league. So this is a guy that really hangs on to the ball. He took nine sacks last year, and this was something that Dante Skarnecki had talked about in his radio interview is sort of the next step. You know, Brady's in there. He's getting the ball out two three, two three five, two three four, something like that. And he put Jared Sidham back there, and that extra half a second that he hangs onto the ball really makes a difference in a timing and precision type of offense. So the best way to go about kind of improving that is probably to let him hold the clipboard for another year and let the game slow down for him a little bit more than what it's at right now. I think that Jared Stidham in a lot of ways might benefit from this in the long run. And maybe in the short term, it might feel like a step back or it might feel like a little bit disrespectful that they went out and added another quarterback after giving him all this confidence. But moving forward in the long term of Jared Stidham's career, making the game slow down for him a little bit better and getting him a little bit more in time and in rhythm as a passer, I think is only going to be beneficial. So Gus Malzahn knows both of these guys very well, but if Gus Malzahn in different roles in 20, uh, 2009 through 2011, when Cam Newton was at Auburn, um, he was the offensive coordinator was Gus Malzahn and Malzahn was uh, obviously and has been the coach head coach um, of uh, Auburn uh, for quite some time since uh, what, 2013, I believe it is 2014, somewhere in there. Anyway, that right. Jarrett Stidham uh, played for him down there. Do you think the Auburn connection is significant in this whole marriage between, you know, the Patriots and uh, Jarrett Stidham and uh, Cam Newton? Cam, I think the interesting thing about the Auburn thing is that that offense often gets made fun of in college football for just being absolutely wacky and pretty much impossible for any quarterback to run other than Cam Newton. You know, he's the one guy that was able to really master right. it because what you have with that offense is the first thing most plays are going to happen, especially when they incorporate their RPO schemes. The first thing the quarterback has to do is make a run read, right? Am I going to run the ball or am I going to hand the ball off? After they make that run read, they decide, okay, this isn't a running play. We're going to kill that. Now it becomes a passing play. So now i got to read the coverage, right? So there's a lot of things going on for a quarterback because he has to make a run read, then he needs to make a pass read, and then he makes to make an ultimate decision of what's the best thing for me to do with the football. It's a very complex offense for people to run. And I think Malzahn got really married to it because Cam was so good in it at Auburn. And he's been sort of chasing that this entire time of who can be my next Cam Newton. So I don't know if there's a direct kind of correlation between those moves. But the one thing is, is that the Patriots are clearly building an offense with multiple tight ends that are very athletic players and can block and catch the ball with Nikhil Harry at wide receiver with guys that they have in the backfield that really wants to update itself. It wants to be a 2020 NFL offense. It wants to be closer to what we see in the college game or closer to what we see in Baltimore or closer to what we saw with Cap in San Francisco with Greg Roman, you know, in in the early 2010s. That style of offense, I think, is what the Patriots want to be, and Cam really lets them be that at the best of its potential. Nobody talks football better than Evan Lazar. He is uh, with CLNSmedia.com covering the NFL 
and the Patriots. You can follow them on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. When most people try to lose weight, they think exercise. Whether they actually start exercising or not, the results are normally the same either way. I say the same because losing weight, we all know it's about what you eat. What do you put into your body? Well, with Awaken 180 Weight Loss, you'll receive a customized nutrition plan weekly one-on-one coaching, and the option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose weight your first week and each week after until you're down to your ideal weight. During your weight loss transformation, you'll be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat so you can keep that weight off for the long term. As always, Awaken 180 will provide you free support for life. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell, Scott Zolak, Dan Ray, Kyle Draper, Andy Grush, and thousands of others. Now it's your turn. Call the long-term solution for weight loss and the official weight loss program of the Boston Red Sox, Awaken 180 Weight Loss, online at awaken180weightloss.com. Back with Evan Lazar covering the Patriots for seeonusmedia.com. And you're, by the way, I'm, don't mention this enough when you're on. You have your own podcast, the All 22s. How's that going in the off season? It's going well. We've had a little bit of a summer hiatus here. We usually take a couple of weeks, but I think the Cam news is probably what will bring us back from the bench and uh, get us back in the starting lineup. Yeah, it, uh, just in case you haven't had enough Cam Newton talk already. Right. Uh, how was your uh, Q&A with Sierra on Cam Newton? A oh, lot it was of, good. Uh, we, wa- friends. we answered about 15 to 20 questions about Cam Newton, and uh, then I came on here and answered another hour about Cam Newton. So it's uh, it's all Cam all the time. Cam, and I'm Cam, Cam. I'm excited about it, Tracks, because no, this is no disrespect to Jared Sidham, but it wasn't really moving the needle all that much with him as the starter. It really doesn't have the same kind of excitement or the same kind of aura as with Cam now in the fold. So I think that's very exciting for people. Okay, you know what the obvious question is? How could 31 other teams not be interested in Cam Newton? Well, I think the biggest reason why is honestly an impact of the pandemic had on free agency this year was that there's no medical checks. There's no physicals for these teams, right? And you have Cam coming off the shoulder issues and coming off the foot issue, and these teams are not able to get their doctors to clear him medically to be able to sign him to a contract. So up until this point, I think that's really been a detriment to teams. And the other thing is, is, you know, this is not wide receiver. This is not cornerback. There's 32 starting jobs in the NFL, and that's it, right? There's no extra starting jobs. So at some point in time that you are playing musical chairs, there's only 32 chairs. There's a bunch of guys in the middle, draft picks, free agents, targets. I see that. And at some point in time, there's every other chair is filled except one, and it's the only team that you're really left with to dance with. And I think that's really what Cam Newton ran into, was that if you really look across the league, whether you believe in Let's take the Giants, for example. Whether you believe in Daniel Jones or not is not necessarily the point. They have a quarterback, right? And they're not looking to add another quarterback to their roster right now. If you look at a team like Buffalo, Josh Allen is their quarterback right now. So unless Cam wanted to go there and be 100% a backup and not contend for a starting job, he's not signing with one of those teams. And the Patriots were one of the very few teams that had an available starting position for him that he could go into camp and compete with somebody and actually win the starting job and really be a contender. If they if everything pans out perfectly for him, so I think that was the biggest thing was that eventually the music stops and there's only so many chairs and he just kind of was left without a chair for a while and on top of that the medical stuff you can't really clear him and I think that's a big hurdle as well. And the other thing, obviously, I should point out and you you touched on it and that is of those 31 other teams, most of them have a starting quarterback at this point. 
It's crazy. And, the league is really set at that position for a lot of teams, whether you believe in the guy or not. Oh, I mean, the only other team I could think of, and it comes up every time we have this discussion, is Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So Jacksonville is like the one team, but they really organizationally, whether you believe it or not, same thing with Daniel Jones and the Giants, they believe in Gardner Minshew. They want to give Gardner Minshew at least a year to see what he can do, right? And I think that truly... I get an that. open starting position is New England. It was a couple of other teams, but then once those teams, you know, Miami or the Chargers, once those teams address it in the draft, then that becomes not an option for Cam Newton anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um, I want to get your read on the fine, the million-dollar fine, and the loss of a third-round pick for the Patriots' role in filming the Bengals-Browns game back in December, the week, obviously the week before the Patriots played Cincinnati at Paul Brown Stadium. Um Look, and I've been asked about this on, on a couple of different uh, radio appearances. I didn't have a problem with it, and I thought it was about right. And this is why, Evan. I thought it was about right because whether you like it or not, this is an organizational penalty. And it clearly was not a football operations maneuver. I believe Bill Belichick. I believe everybody inside the football ops. They had nothing to do with this. But when you have the past record that the Patriots have in terms of violating rules and discipline problems with the league in terms of administrative discipline problems, obviously, I'm talking about, um, I think you open yourself up to this kind of penalty. And I didn't have a big problem with the third round pick. Other fans on Twitter were like, how could you possibly do that to football ops when they had nothing to do with it? And I, I see both sides. But when it comes down to it, it's what the league views and other owners in the uh, NFL view the Patriots as right now, and they don't uh, view them as the same as the other 31. And that's, you know, it's fair to some degree. In other degrees, I think it's unfair. You know, I think Spygate has kind of blown up into something that really was all about camera positioning, and it wasn't that the Patriots weren't allowed to tape what they were taping. They were just taping it from the wrong spot. And you can kind of get into the, the, you know, logistics of it and kind of understand that it wasn't, you know, this big covert operation, right? It really wasn't. But the other thing is I I compared it to Brad Marchand on the Q&A. You know, Brad Marchand gets all this flack from the NHL. He gets suspended. He gets fines. Why? Because he's Brad Marchand, and he's done it 15 times before in the past. And whether he continues to do it or not, or whether some guy did something that was worse than what he did, it really doesn't matter. This is the repeat offender tax for the Patriots. With that being said, moving forward, for every, any film crew that goes to a game, the number one thing Bill Belichick himself needs to make sure is on their little, you know, uh, guide sheet or whatever you want to call it, uh, HR packet, is do not tape the field. And I think that that's what they're getting punished for here, is that they weren't matter-of-factly making sure that nobody within the organization was ever going to tape the field again. And it was a little bit careless that they let it get to this point. But I do also feel like, football operations, a third-round pick is – we're, t- we're not talking about a sixth-round pick here. No, I, thir- I get a that. A third-round pick is a valuable, valuable asset for football team, especially your own third-round pick, which is going to be in the top 100. You know, that's a very, very valuable asset, whether it turns into a draft pick or it's a trade chip or whatever it may be. You know, that's the difference between a guy like a Chase Winovich or or, or a guy like a Yadni Kajust or a guy like a Damian Harris being on this team and not being on this team. And I think that's a big difference when you start to talk about that. You know, I would have been fine if it was a fifth-round pick. I would have been fine. I would have understood that the Patriots, because of their history, have to go be above and beyond as a football operations to make sure that there's no violations moving forward because of Spygate. 
But really, that that's a pretty big slap on the wrist for football ops who truly had nothing to do with this. And you're really taking away a very valuable asset from them out of something that was kind of just a careless mistake. Well, no, I mean, it, it, it's a major penalty for the organization. It's not this wasn't directed at football ops per se. It's just that the football ops are paying the penalty for um, an organizational um, indiscretion. That's really what right. this is about. And it's important to make that distinction. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is, is that at the end of the day, Bob Kraft's checkbook, you know, the film crew not being able to do right. behind the scenes things. Fans don't care about that kind of stuff. You know, so Bob Kraft does pay a million dollars to the league and give it to charity, you know, Big, right. you know, so now instead of being worth 10.1 billion, he's only worth 10. You know, it's, it's really not the end of the world. But when you start to take away from the team and start to take away draft picks, that's when people get upset because now you're hurting the organization from a football standpoint on the field for the next three or four years. I mean, you don't know who that draft pick could turn into. That could be a very valuable player for your team moving forward. And now they'll never really get that pick. Now the good news is, is that they did let Tom Brady walk in free agency. They did let a bunch of other guys walk free agency so they'll recoup it and the comp pick formula and they'll get a third round pick back but at the end of the day I think that it's really um, it's unfortunate that they had to take something from football ops to prove the point that they needed to prove because they really the fines and all that kind of stuff probably wouldn't have been enough to kind of get that point across of this needs to now be you need to go above and beyond to make sure that this doesn't happen anymore you can't just kind of say oh we weren't had nothing to do with it that's not really going to be an excuse for the league anymore what are you doing for the fourth well, you know, it's kind of a, a sad force, I would say, with the pandemic because you can't yeah. really do things the way that you normally would. But we're going to hit up the beach in New Hampshire, see some fireworks, do the best that we can with it. I'm going to have a socially distant barbecue in the backyard. There you go. There uh, you go. I'll have about uh, six people over. I think that's allowable, right? Six to seven. Yeah. Any, well, anything under 10 is technically allowable. So. Yeah. So uh, I should be good to go. I'm. I'm a burger and hot dogs kind of guy for the fourth. I really am. It's the best way to do it. I might be seeing Alex Bartha this weekend. Oh, really? That yes. no, that freaks me up. That puts there me you in go. Great. <laughs> See, that puts me in a great mood. He'll be the. Um, I don't know if he'll be the guest next week. He might be next week's July seventh. I think I'm having Taylor Kyle's on. Can, we, uh, can we talk about how you replaced Alex with me for today? Because absolutely. Family? Because that was just the floor is yours. <laughs> he texted me the, uh, this morning. I know people are like, "Do I really care about this? Should I shut it off?" But no, uh, we texted. Hey, they've listened thirty three minutes already, or thirty four minutes, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, and they can deal with it. <laughs> they, he texted me this morning a, a screenshot of the tweet that you sent out saying I was going to be on the pod, and he said I was supposed to be the guest on the pod this week, and you replaced me. And I just I thought that was hilarious. Well, we love Alex Barth. Well. um, I want to wish everybody out there a very happy and safe 4th of July. I want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our terrific guest, the one and only Evan Lazar. Follow him on Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R. Also want to thank our great sponsors. As always, be sure to uh, patronize them over the uh, 4th of July holiday, Awaken 180, and, of course, betonline.ag. For producer Michael Longi and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriot Speed Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.
Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.